people where we can kind of share and say, hey, listen, we'll do this, you do this. and Yeah, of yeah. course. <clears throat> Welcome, everybody. It is live, obviously. Look who's back. Sully's back. <laughs> hey, how we doing, guys? I missed you, Wayne. I missed you, dude. I figured. Um, so we got a pretty big show planned today. I'll get to that in a second. Let's just jump right into the video so we can get the ball rolling because we got so much to get to. If we dilly-dally too much right now, we're going to run out of time. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. What's going on, everybody, and welcome back to the show after the nice intro there. Obviously, if you are watching us, you're probably watching us on Facebook Live, or you could be watching us on YouTube Live or Twitter. We are live on all three outlets. If you miss any part of the show and want to go back and re-watch or listen to it, we are available on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and Amazon Music. We do the live show Mondays at 7 p.m. and Saturdays now at 11 a.m., and next Saturday is a big one. We'll get to that. If you miss any part of the video show, you want to watch it because we are implementing new graphics every week. Visit YouTube. The show will be available tomorrow. Please visit us on social media and at Infinity Sports Podcast, at Infinity Sports Podcast on Instagram, as well as Facebook, at Sports Infinity 5 on Twitter. Visit the website, www.sportsinfinitysportspodcast.com. And all of the links are there, as well as a link to our store where you can purchase Infinity Sports wear like we're wearing now. Uh, 12 is greater than 9, which is going to be going away shortly because nobody knows what it is anymore. <laughs> and the Sully Collection, which we're going to mix up and get a little bit more fresh. So that said, as I mentioned, you know, uh, Sully and I are very excited because we do have a huge interview coming up. We're going to be recording it on Wednesday. So when you do see it on Saturday at 11 a.m., it will be pre-recorded, but that's not going to make it any less riveting. And that is we have Charlie Ward, the former Florida State uh, point guard and quarterback is going to be joining the show. He's going to be answering some questions for us for about half an hour to 45 minutes. We've got about six or eight really good questions. We're not asking him the same old, same old. So if you've watched interviews with Charlie Ward before and you don't want to hear us asking the same questions, we're not. So don't worry. Yeah, we're we're definitely not. We're watching a bunch of old interviews. Uh, I'm writing down a bunch of the questions that we hear over and over, and, and we're gonna make sure we don't hit that. You know, why'd you pick the NF or the NBA over the NFL? And you know, he's answered that a million times in his life. Uh, we're gonna get a lot deeper. It's gonna it's gonna be a great interview. I'm really excited. You know, I've been up in Tallahassee now for the last you know, eight or nine months. So to get to interview the first black quarterback and, and a Heisman Trophy winner from the from this university, it's it's pretty amazing, and I can't wait for the opportunity. Tons of great questions for him. Obviously, today's a big show as well. We're going to recap Week 10 of the NFL. We've got um, what was it? Oh, Sully's Top Prospects. That's going to be a new feature. We kind of went over it a couple weeks ago. It's going to be even better this week. He's going to give you five of his top prospects going into this year's NFL draft. But first things first, it is time for the news. 
The news is brought to you by Invader Coffee. Visit the website invadercoffee.com. It is 100% organic, 100% air roasted. You get a 100% money back guarantee if you don't like the coffee. It is 100% veteran owned. So definitely support the troops, support those who fight for our freedom, and buy some coffee from better, uh, Invader Coffee because they're a great sponsor of ours. Uh, Enter the code belly up, all one word. You get 15% off your entire order, no matter how much you buy. They even have apparel there. You want to get a t-shirt with the Grim Reaper that says, you know, we fought for your freedom. I think they have those. Get one, 15% off. Coffee's good, too. I got my order. It's solid. Nice. I'm not a coffee guy at all, so I'm not the best judge of coffee, to be fair. But it was solid. I mean, I didn't spit it out, so you know what I mean? And it, it for for... Other coffees that I've had, it was very smooth. That's that's kind of the best thing I can say. Good, yeah, because I actually I drink uh, when I drink coffee, I drink Death Wish coffee, uh, and it's pretty harsh, um, but lots yeah. of caffeine. So, well, I, 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 caffeine levels, I'm not sure. That's why I drink it now. I just take little bits of caffeine right before the gym. But I, I mean, it's smooth. I just do it black. It's good. Obviously, the first big big news: Dustin Ma- uh, Johnson is the Masters champion, twenty under par. It is the all-time Masters record, breaking Tiger Woods' nineteen ninety-seven record of eighteen under par. I mean, Dustin Johnson was just a, a madman. Four days. I mean, I think he had the thirty-six hole lead, the fifty-four hole lead, and then the seventy-two hole lead. So he just dominated from start to finish, kind of like Tiger in ninety-seven. Yeah, I mean, he's just cruising. The guy was just couldn't miss a shot. He was he was on his game. Uh, it was impressive to watch. It really was, you know, on a weekend where, you know, you're not used to seeing the masters obviously in November. Uh, I mean, it was a, it was a bright, I think good change of pace and man, he was incredible to watch. That's for such sure. a great shot too. Yeah, for sure. Cause my whole thing with Dustin Johnson is I don't understand why people don't like him. He hits the ball 350 yards. He's exciting to watch. I think it's because he doesn't have that charisma. He's a very, very stale interview and a very kind of, stoic person so i think that maybe there's that kind of he's not exciting like tiger's exciting he pumps his fist he gets fired up dustin is just very much bleh but he plays lights out i mean he plays that way too though he plays very mad just kind of like you know very steady and and it's like the little engine that could he just keeps on chugging the guy he stays very poised and he, he even had a, a comment uh during his presser He's like, you know, out there, when I get flustered, I know how to stay calm. He's like, out here, you know, I, I broke, and I'm pretty sure he broke down and, and cried a little bit, you know, obviously because that's a special moment. So it, it, congratulations to him. It was incredible. I mean, that was such a perfect display of golf, really. And for the Masters, too, it, it was really well needed after this long break, you know, from COVID. It did cost me a little bit in our pool at work because I had Bryson DeChambeau, who completely crapped the bed. Uh, after dominating the U.S. Open, he just did nothing at the Masters. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know if his his game really suited the Masters course. Um, well, the Masters again, has always suited long hitters. Yeah, yeah but you got to be some stupid accurate. The Masters does not favor hitting it in the rough, and and uh, you know, DeChambeau was not accurate with his drives this this uh, week. So, uh, I mean, that was really that. Plus, in the Open, I mean, the guy putted out of his mind. And uh, obviously, he didn't do that in the Masters. Yeah. So I was excited to see Dustin Johnson. The next bit of news that we had, obviously, COVID-19 did attack the NFL. We had, uh, I wrote down here, 15 games that were either canceled or postponed, including Ohio State, the Alabama versus LSU, and Georgia games all kind of didn't get played. So if you're looking forward to a great Saturday of college football with Alabama, LSU, Ohio State playing Maryland, Georgia playing, you got to see none of it. Uh, there were some good games, but obviously COVID is really you know taking its toll on everybody. 
Yeah, it has. And I mean, at this point, for the Big Ten to be even considered into the playoff now, if, if Ohio State gets in there with what, playing six games? Like, what the fuck? You got to be joking me. This is wild. Uh, now, to be fair, I think they're a great team, but like, you know, if this Indiana game gets canceled, like, like that game's so important. It's so important. So I, I don't know. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. The Pac 12 is already playing like a six game schedule, and half of their games got canceled too. So it's so frustrating to watch. It's so frustrating. Now, I'm intrigued to see Notre Dame. They're number two right now. If they get to the national championship game, seeing if they get handed something. Cause, well, because they have before, and they played against Alabama and just got totally rough. They won't make it out of whoever they play in the playoff. They're going to get mollywopped by whoever they play. Ian Brooks is not a good quarterback. He played the game of his life, and they had to go to double overtime to beat Clemson with a true freshman quarterback and Travis Etienne had to fumble a ball that he never has fumbled in his career. Like so much fluky shit had to happen for Notre Dame to win. Uh, I just don't see, I I don't know. I would never expect them to beat any of these teams. Well, a game that did get played was the Michigan Wisconsin game and (laughs) (laughs) Wisconsin absolutely pounded Michigan 49 to 11. It wasn't even a contest. Michigan falls to one in three. Um, I mean, I don't know. Jim Harbaugh has got to be gone. How is he still even there? I I truly can't figure out how he's still the coach at this point. It, it blows my mind. I, I don't know what – he's got to have an insane buyout or something. I don't know the, the contract issues or, or the contract he's even under and how much they would owe him if they fired him at this point. But that's got to be the only hinge because the guy can't coach. I mean, he's – that team can't win a lick, and they have – Decent talent. I mean, Quiddy Pay is is a great edge rusher, like insanely good. They have talent, and it's just I don't understand what's happening. I, I don't know, and I don't think he's that great of a recruiter because I think he's losing a lot of these kids to Ohio State, which never happened before. Usually maybe they would all go to Michigan or it split, and then there was just a power shift when Urban Meyer went to Ohio State. I think that's when it shifted. and he just Because Urban Meyer might be one of the best recruiters in college football. And, History. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. And so he goes to Ohio State. All those Michigan recruits now go to Ohio State, and Michigan's left with some you know, slim pickings and some guys. Well, also, Ohio State has been a prevalent program, and Michigan hasn't. You know, that always hurts. And, and when you're in that, you know, north territory right there, you know, there's only so many great kids, and they're going to pick the, the relevant program. They're not going to pick a Michigan. So – I don't understand how he's still there. I don't understand how he's getting talks for pro jobs at this point. Uh, I don't know. I mean, he's going to get a job, but I wouldn't hire the guy. I'll tell you that much. Like, if I'm the Jets, I hear rumor about the Jets. There's no fucking way I touched Jim Harbaugh. Well, and that was my question for you. So I had said on a Facebook post, I had thrown it out there. I said, you know, uh, Jim Harbaugh, I said, how many college coaches fail their way to the NFL? Like, none of them. I mean, you can say, like, you know, Pete Carroll kind of failed in the NFL went to college, won a national championship, then went to the NFL. But guys don't go, you know, two and eight or two and seven and then go to the NFL as a head coach the next year. It just doesn't happen. The only exception, and somebody brought this up, Cliff Kingsbury was 35 and 40 as a head coach at Texas Tech, and he got a head coaching job at uh, Arizona. Yeah, but his last year, wasn't he like? Five and seven. Oh, was he? Okay. Um, I thought his last year he had done really well. But also, he's like a – a quarterback guru and an offensive genius where Jim Harbaugh, I don't know if he is that like, like, I don't know. I, I wouldn't trust Jim Harbaugh with Trevor Lawrence's future. I'll tell you that. Much. No, I wouldn't. If I was a head coach, I mean, a, 
a general manager anywhere. I wouldn't take Jim Harbaugh as a head coach. Uh, I don't know about anywhere, but he could be an assistant. I mean, I take him as an assistant, how he does, and then maybe promote him, but I wouldn't bring him in as a head coach right away. Like something like, like, I don't know, maybe Washington, like if Ron Rivera's health goes a little sideways, uh, like Jim Harbaugh, because like they've got a veteran team. Alex Smith is already there, you know, but I don't know. That'd be such a weird circumstance. Another game that was played was the Florida Gators, who won was a sixty-three to thirty-five or something like that. Uh, Trask had three hundred and fifty-six yards passing, six touchdowns, and the reason I brought this up is because on the season he's averaging three hundred and fifty yards per game. He's got twenty-eight touchdowns to three interceptions and a one ninety-seven passer rating. So my question is, going into the season, we talked about who's that quarterback that's going to climb up. I mean, has he found his way into the first round? I know uh, Bandauer said something stupid as him being the number one overall pick, which is never going to happen. But Never. has he found a way in maybe the top 10, top 15? Where do you see him kind of falling out? I don't think he's gone that way because Zach Wilson out of BYU is is also playing out of his mind, and, and he's probably snuck his way into that third or fourth quarterback, and they'll probably all go – those top four will probably all go top 15. Kyle Trask and Mac Jones have worked, I think, their way up. I like Kyle Trask a lot more. I think he has the body of an NFL player. Um, the only issue I think a lot of teams are going to have is he's a pure pocket player. He's a pure pocket passer. That's where he, he does his, his, his best work. And that's kind of dying in today's game. Um, but I would take him in the first round. Uh, I like him a lot as, as a player. Um, I had him ranked as my fifth best quarterback going into the year. Um, and he's, he hasn't lost that. And unfortunately, Zach Wilson has jumped and everybody's playing well ahead of him. Um, so he's staying at five, but I think he gets into the first round for sure. Well, I mean, we talk about, you know, you said maybe the bottom of the first round, but I look at it as who at the bottom of the first round is going to be quarterback desperate. I mean, it's more teams jumping into that range. Okay. Like the 28, 29, 30, 30. That's where teams jump up usually and grab a quarterback if they didn't grab one right away. Um, so probably something like that, or, you know, a team like new Orleans, you know, you never know. Uh, I, I know we think their future's in Jameis, but we'll see here for these next couple games, you know, how that's going to play out. Oh, and then obviously they may go Taysom Hill, but that's a whole, you know, that's a whole rabbit hole. Yeah. So Ben Grant chimes in. Uh, ben actually co-hosted the show with me uh, earlier, and he'd said uh, the game is shifting towards player coaches, and Harbaugh certainly is not that. He's a hard. That's true. Uh, I agree. You know, he's definitely a hardo and and, and very d- difficult. I think so. I would find the the Nike's brightest offensive mind who can really mold a quarterback if I'm the Jets, and that's who I bring in. Um, I, I you know it's just working now. This 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 new trend of building a relationship of coach and quarterback, and and making sure they have a good relationship and they have an offense that they you know can build together. I mean we're seeing that work with Cliff Kingsbury and and Kyler Murray and, and um, Sean McVay and Jared Goff and, you know, all these young quarterbacks that are playing extremely well. Joe Burrow and, um, God, I feel terrible. I can't remember Cincinnati's head coach's name. Uh, Zach, fuck. Anyway. Uh, it's Cincinnati. Yeah, but, you know, they're they're playing extremely well and, and they've got these young coaches, like you mentioned, that are more player friendly and are more, you know, able to talk to these guys as as not quite peers because they are still their bosses, but nonetheless, you know. Well, stepping away from football for a second, obviously the NBA opened up to trades today at noontime. 
one of the rumors out there, it's been out there for a few weeks now, but it seems like it's getting closer. Everybody's talking about it is James Harden to the Nets. And the purported trade on this one is that the Nets would get James Harden. The Rockets would get Spencer Dinwiddie, Jarrett Allen, Chris LeVert, Torian Price, or some sort of combination of those, maybe a first round pick and whatnot. And I, I don't know. I look at it. I understand. I don't like it for the Nets though, because James Harden is a ball dominant player. So is Kyrie Irving. KD's not, so it's fine. He can play off the ball, but I don't like the idea of two ball dominant players, which you saw in Houston didn't work because Russell Westbrook is also a ball dominant player. Yeah, but Russell Westbrook can't shoot and Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant can. I think what will be the issue is losing Jared Allen is a, is a huge loss in my opinion. Excuse me. Uh, he's a one of the best rim protectors in the entire league, uh, and and I think that would be a, a pretty catastrophic loss for them. And I don't know if he's just a like a fill and replace player kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like you're not just pulling a guy off the bench or, or something like that to get the equal production of Jared Allen. Um, at the same time, though, you know James Harden is a needle mover. He plain and simple is, uh, and and in a weak conference. You know the Nets could could very easily take that. Like, uh, I mean, they'd be that that'd be the most talented big three in the East, wouldn't it? Like, I think so. Yeah, you know. So, uh, so yeah. Deb uh, Sullivan says, uh, "Hey, Ryan Peterson." Okay, that's my mom. I don't know why she's saying hi to Ryan. Um, <laughs> right. Hey, mom, I love you. Uh, but. Say, oh, maybe she wants me to say hi to Ryan Peterson. Hey, Ryan, what's up, man? It's been a while, dog. What's, what's popping? Uh, me and Ryan used to get wild, bro. Whew. Yeah. All right. So, the a trade that did happen, I didn't have the graphic for it because it happened after I got everything set yeah. up, is the Phoenix Suns have agreed in principle basically to get Chris Paul for a bunch of players, Ricky Rubio and some other guys. But you're going to have that big three in the West of Chris Paul, DeAndre Ayton, Devin Booker. And I was curious what direction they were going to go because they looked like kind of not that good going into the bubble. They go undefeated in the bubble and don't make it into the the playoff, which we knew wasn't going to happen anyways. Um, But they looked really good. And now you're adding Chris Paul in that veteran leadership, a defensive-minded player. I think this is a humongous ad for Phoenix, who I think actually this addition could put them in the top four in the West. Don't forget Mikael Bridges, too. I mean, he was the one who was really balling out during that 8-0 run, and and I think, like, the true kind of come-out player of that team uh, during that run where they went 8-0. But, I mean, they're dangerous. They look good, man. I, I mean, just imagine Chris Paul running the floor with Devin Booker on the wing and then the athletic. And I mean, everybody knows DeAndre Ayton is such a gifted scorer on the inside. I mean, that's going to be a scary team. Like I mentioned, Mikael Bridges can really stretch the four, and, and he's an incredible four. I, I would agree. I mean, I think Golden State's going to be obviously much, much, much better, and they're going to elevate themselves right into that top conversation also. Uh, and then, you know, L.A., obviously, both L.A. teams. I mean, it's going to be a, a packed West. I'm excited. You know, if James Harden moves, you know, that plummets the Rockets, and maybe the Suns just kind of take the Rockets' position at the top of the West there. Well, you mentioned the LA teams and obviously the Lakers did make a trade with the Oklahoma city thunder. They basically traded for, uh, Dennis Schroeder. Uh, the deal was basically the Lakers get Dennis Schroeder, the thunder get Danny green and the 28th overall pick, uh, which is this year. 
And uh, I think this is a wonderful trade for the Lakers. Uh, Danny Green, obviously, you know, a lot of Lakers fans fell out of love with him with his uh, brick fest in the playoffs. <laughs> Schroeder coming into the league was very much compared to Rajon Rondo. And they're saying that Rondo's opting out. He's going to get bigger money somewhere else. You're basically replacing Rondo with a younger, more athletic, and I should say better scoring version of Rondo because Schroeder averaged 18 points per game this year. Yeah, he'll need to develop a three-point shot because he's – pretty bad there um but yeah i agree i mean you i mean it's spot on he's essentially just a younger rondo who's a better slasher and scorer for sure and i think it's a great addition i I really really like it i'm really excited you know it's it's that's huge and and you know the loss of danny green isn't that big you know i mean the poor guy you know all of a sudden he's he's a villain but I, i mean he was an expendable player and i think we got the better end of the deal so I think so too. Uh, Jeff Herrera says, looking good, Sully. I love this. Appreciate you, Jeff, man. I appreciate it. You're looking good too, man. Keep winning those tournaments, dog. That is all I had for news, which means that it is time for Sully's top prospects. Uh, we got five picks that we're going to kind of go in order here. Sully's going to talk a little about it, each one. Um, the first one I have listed here for you is, is Jalen Waddle, right? So, I mean, tell me a little bit about this guy. Or was it Weddle? Waddle. Jalen Waddle. Um, the first thing I'm going to say is fast, 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 uh, elite, elite speed. Um, he makes Henry Lug- Henry Ruggs look slow. Um, let's put it that way. Uh, he was the deep threat, um, for Alabama. Even when Henry Ruggs was there, he got the more target shares of the deep passes. Um, and it's not just his speed. He is insanely quick as well. So he's just a dangerous, dangerous player. He's an elite return man also. Uh, I'm really impressed with him. And his only issue was, you know, we didn't see a lot of him because he was buried in the depth chart a little bit. But obviously this year he has just shown us a whole nother level. Uh, He was – I think he had 100 yards in every single game this season um, until his injury. Uh, Obviously his injury is going to hinder some things. But – the guy is a monster. I mean, a monster. Now, at 5'10", 183, I know we brought this up, I think, when Ruggs was coming into the draft. But is he like a Deshaun Jackson type? Kind of. I mean, he's, he's going to play predominantly out of the slot. Um, I would assume so. Uh, I don't know if I love him on the outside. But at the same time, because, I, I mean, if you're able to get your hands on him at 5'10", 183, you know, you're going you're gonna to do some issues. The only problem is he's so crazy. Like, he's Tyree Kill quick and fast like no lie like I don't like to use Tyree Kill as a as a comparison unfortunately because you know then people get you know really overblown and excited but I'm telling you that's the kind of like jittery quick and then explosive speed he has I'm, I'm not lying when I say he'll he'll probably run faster in everything than than Henry Ruggs did and Henry Ruggs was an insane speed guy. So uh, I would expect him to to be a, a off the board really quick. Uh, you know, he took two out of the snaps this year. He's only taken 293 snaps this year, unfortunately, because of the injury. 264 were out of the slot. So, I mean, that's where he's going to make his living in the NFL. Well, from a five foot ten wide receiver to a six foot two cornerback, what can you tell us, and keeping it in Tuscaloosa, what can you tell us about Patrick Sertan? I mean, the guy's just big and physical and mean. And, you know, I didn't have him this high coming into the season. I had uh, Caleb Farley ahead of him. Um, Granted, I didn't love this cornerback class um, coming into it. But, I mean, he has played 
absolutely locked down football this season. And he's really, really shown like a lot. And he's not going to wow you like with his, with his speed and, and like athletic ability, I guess, because I wouldn't assume, I don't expect him to run like a four, 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 three, like anything like that. Like if he runs a four, four, nine, like that's a huge win for him. Anything under a four, five, five, like is a big win for him. But I mean, he is Big, physical, long, 6'2", 205 pounds. He's going to get up on you, and, and he's going he's gonna to put it on you. He, he plays incredibly good football. Well, in the 6'2", 205, if he does run a 4'5", what are the odds they keep him at corner in the NFL versus moving him to like a free safety spot? They could. I mean, they may. I've seen players do that. Uh, but, I mean, the way his, his mirroring and, and ability and press coverage is really special. I, I mean – you know, he's got the lineage of his father who, you know, was a cornerback for the Dolphins for years and years and was a Pro Bowl player. And, I mean, he really kind of plays a similar game. He's a handsy, physical guy who's who's not going to let you really get by him. He doesn't get stacked a lot, even though he's not that fast because he's able to kind of, like, keep you in wraps with how physical he is. Uh, I wouldn't move him personally, but, you know, he's not going to be – a like think more Richard Sherman, even though Richard Sherman plays that cover three, but think more Richard Sherman, like just that that sticky, smart coverage ability, not necessarily like a like a fast guy. Now, when I put the for those who don't know, I put together these highlight videos, and when I was looking through a lot of them, this next guy, uh, Kyle Pitts, the tight end from Florida, we talked about Trask. I got excited watching this guy's highlight video. I mean, he is ridiculously big and strong and fast. And I'm like, here's a tight end. Like, I don't think of tight ends as top 10 picks. Like this guy could be a top 10 pick. There's no doubt he will be. Uh, I mean, he is lighting the league up right now in the NCAA. The guy's a monster, 6'6", 240, and just a physical freak of nature. Uh, I mean, he plays like a wide receiver, uh, but, you know, he's such a matchup nightmare. The guy... He run. I don't know. It's so hard to explain. He he. His route tree and his route running ability is of that of a wide receiver. But you know, at six six two forty, you know, you can't exactly throw him outside. He's just going to be a matchup nightmare for anybody. There's not going to be a, a cornerback or safety that's going to be able to stick with him. You know, physically wise, and then a linebacker is never going to be able to cover him downfield. Um, his big weakness, obviously, is the guy's not going to – I mean, he wouldn't move me off the line of scrimmage. So, I mean, that'll be his big issue. But, I mean, how often are these guys really blocking? Darren Waller doesn't block a ton, and he's a huge success in Oakland. So, Well, I mean, Gronkowski was an exceptional blocker. Exceptional. Uh, probably George Kittle, exceptional blocker. Um, but yeah. I guess you're saying so Pitts is more of like that uh, – the Daniel, not Daniel Graham um, – Jimmy Graham, kind of more. Yes, for sure. Jimmy Graham, you know, Travis Kelsey, they don't ask him to block. You know, he's a, he's a split-out wide receiver. That's what he's going to be. I mean, think Travis Kelsey. Legit, think Travis Kelsey just probably more explosive, which is scary. All right. And you'd mentioned him earlier when we were talking about Sertan, uh, Caleb Farley, another six-foot-plus uh, cornerback, Virginia Tech. Um, a little bit faster or they're kind of about the same boat? They're kind of similar. Complete opposite. Okay. Literally the complete opposite player. This kid's going to run a, a 4-3 at minimum. Um, he is insanely fast. Like, it's stupid. 6-2, 207. Um, but 
not the best in man coverage and not the best of mirroring guys and things like that. Um, you know, he's like right there. Obviously, that's a great play. It's an underthrown ball. But to be fair, you know, you're not going to run away from Caleb Fairley. So he's going to he has the ability to gamble a little more and do things like that. But uh, I mean, he's not playing this year. And and that's so unfortunate because, you know, we, we have this class like, you know, Penny Sewell and Mika Parsons, uh, you know, those guys don't have to play another snap. And you know exactly what you're getting as a football player. You know, Caleb Fairley, I'd have loved to see in another year. Uh, it would have really been beneficial. Uh, you know, it would have really kind of solidified, I guess, who he was because his his weakness is kind of the coverage side. And another year of seeing, well, can he stay with these guys or not will be great. But, I mean, a guy who's 6'2", 200 pounds, long, and runs a 4'3", is going to get drafted really, really, really high. And then the last guy we have in the top five here, or not top five, but the, the five Sully's prospects is, to me – the most exciting player in the entire draft. And I know how much you hate taking running backs in the first round. And you've even said you may not even take this guy in the first round if you're a GM, but he is going to be a first round pick. I mean, we can't argue that. I mean, what about Travis at the end? He will be a first round pick. Um, and, you know, if, if anybody does know me, they know this is probably a shock to see a running back at number 10 in my rankings. But, I mean, Travis Etienne is, is I think, special. I really do think he is pure true special player uh he's gonna run low four fours high four threes at the minimum uh and then not only that his pass catching ability i think is gonna set him off he really reminds me of alvin kamara kind of like it's just his ability to affect the game in so many ways is something that i think like a creative offense is going to take advantage of um pff made a really interesting pick that i love uh to arizona in the late 20s or like the early 20s imagine travis etienne kyler murray deandre hopkins like in that offense travis etienne special it becomes like that kansas city offense like you know clyde edwards alaire wasn't exactly a need but you put him in that offense and it's just scary at that point and and i think travis uh, etienne is that player you know to the umph degree he's just i mean he's special he's special He's extremely fun to watch. Like I said, putting together the highlight videos, I can just watch a 20-minute highlight video of Travis Etienne running the ball. Not because because he's not a straight north-south runner. Like he bounces outside. Like he bounces off of people. He makes you miss. And then that's much in the open field, but at the line of scrimmage. And it reminds me actually of like prime, you know, at his best, Le'Veon Bell, kind of holding up, waiting for that hole to open, and then bouncing through the hole and getting to the open spot. Yeah. To be fair, that's also probably his biggest knock. <laughs> is he runs lateral to the line of scrimmage, I think a little too much. Um, but, you know, when you're that explosive and you hit home runs like that, you know, that's a, that's a weakness. A lot of coaches are willing to forgive a couple minus two-yard runs if you break a 70-yarder. You know what I mean? So, Well, that was the knock on Barry Sanders, right? Is yeah, the, exactly. He's a lateral runner. Yeah, and look what that turned out to be. I wouldn't want that guy. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> um, all right, so now it is time. We're going to start off week 10, obviously the Thursday night game. The Colts win 34-17 to against the Titans. Big win for the Colts uh, against the Titans. So uh, I told enjoy- you, that team just is going to win ball games, man. I mean, uh, so what I have here for notes, uh, basically the star of the game to me is Naheem Hines, 12 carries, 70 yards, five catches, 45 yards. So basically two touchdowns and 115 total yards for Naheem Hines. The interesting thing is that neither one of these teams had a turnover, no fumbles, no interceptions. So to lose by 17 without turning the ball over, I thought that was kind of crazy. 
I mean, for the most part, I know Derrick Henry got over 100, but for the most part, they held Derrick Henry in check, and I think that was kind of the the big thing of the game. Um, and then Philip Rivers, you know, you can hate him all you want. The guy just knows how to win ball games, and that's what he does. You know, Michael Pittman had a great game. Um, you know, he's turned into a really great receiver. He was my, like, sleeper of the year. Um, I love this Colts team. I'm telling you, I love it more and more. And I'm, the more and more they look like this, the more I'm confident they're going to make it to the Super Bowl. I mean, just we got six and three now. The Titans are also six and three. Um, I don't know if the Colts are going to make it to the Super Bowl just because, of, like you said, these are games. The 34 to 17 games, are the games are going to win because their defense is just is full of ball hawks. So they get people, you know, tackle them. Even if they don't get a turnover, they're not going to let you get in the end zone. Um, but I just feel like them playing a team like the Chiefs is a lot different than playing like the Titans. No, I agree. And, uh, you know, don't get me wrong. A lot right would have to happen for them to beat a team like the Chiefs. I don't think they're on the same level as the Chiefs, anything like that. But things happen. And, and you know, guys have bad games and guys have great games. And, you know, I I just think that's a fluky kind of team that if everything happens right, they have the, the, the model of a team to make it. Uh, a game that was actually delayed like 26 minutes was the uh, the Browns and the Texans. Should have been the uh, whole fucking game. I was gonna say, yeah, you, you waited for a 10 to 7 game, <laughs> so you watch for 60 minutes and you get just a pile of crap. Um, you know, Baker Mayfield 132 yards, zero touchdowns. Um, Nick Chubb has 126 yards, and Kareem Hunt has 104 yards. So you get basically 230 yards out of your two running backs, uh, which that's how Cleveland plays. I mean, that's what they're gonna do: is just ground and pound and. I've seen a lot of reports coming out that, uh, you know, Mayfield is overrated. Is this really your number one overall pick? But I, I like Baker Mayfield. I don't, I like his skill set. I mean, if you've got two running backs who can put up 100 yards a game, why would you throw it 30 times for 300 yards? I mean, if you win me football games, I don't care how you win them, truly. I really don't. Um, the issue is there's going to be a point where he's going to have to win them a football game, and can he do that? Uh, you know, and, and truthfully, I'm not sure if he's there yet. I was Baker Mayfield's biggest fan. I love him to death. I love the attitude. I love the charisma. Um, but he needs to show a little more in the NFL, I think. I mean, the big talking point of this game is Nick Chubb going out of bounds at the two-yard line with, like, no time left. Uh, he had a clear walk into the end zone, and he, he goes out of bounds because then they can just kneel it and end the game. If he scores, they can technically still, you know, come back technically because they have a chance for the ball but he the spread was minus four and so everybody lost the spread and shit was wild man (laughs) well it's the exact opposite of what atlanta did a couple weeks ago where they scored the touchdown and they should have just downed it the one exactly yep and and then they could have ran the game out and so you know nick chubb is a smart player and good for him the Washington football team loses 30-27 to to the Detroit Lions. Uh, Matt Stafford, 276, three touchdowns. Great game for him. DeAndre Swift, 81 yards rushing, 68 yards receiving. I'm a big DeAndre Swift uh, fan. The child beater does nothing, so I'm not even going to bring up his stats. Uh, the big talk, really, I thought, was uh, Alex Smith getting his first start in two years. And playing well. I think he had over 350 yards, right? Uh, I mean, he played extremely well. No touchdowns, but I don't think he had an interception either. And, I mean, if you're going to get a start, you should do it against the Lions. I think, I mean, dead serious, like, no joke. I think I could start for their defensive line. Like, they're just so – I don't think they had a single pressure all game. Uh, They're bad, but – yeah, I mean, it's a it's it was a weird fluky win. Chase Young had a stupid penalty um, with like ten seconds left, uh, where he 
hit, hits Matt Stafford late, and so it gets him into field goal range, and you know, kind of stole Alex Smith's comeback away from him. It was a 390 yards uh, passing, which for a guy who has traditionally been labeled as the game manager, he's like the poster boy for game managers. You know, to put up almost 400 yards passing is pretty impressive. Yeah, but no touchdowns. So. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Antonio Gibson balling over there, man. Yeah, he had uh, two touchdowns because uh, I know he's on your fantasy team, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah, he's he's the man. I love that guy, dude. Uh, speaking of fantasy running backs, you know who had a great game? Uh, Ronald Jones the third had, had twenty three carries for hundred and ninety two yards, uh, courtesy of a ninety eight yard touchdown run. Um, but th- yeah, this was just my game. What's that? It cost me my game. Oh, it did. Yeah, that one single run is the only reason I lost. It's like a twenty point run in my league because you get a you get two points for a forty yard run for a 40-yard play, and then three points for a 50-yard play, so that's five points, then six points for the touchdown, then nine points for the for the yardage. It was like, what the fuck? <laughs> so, <laughs> so great, but as a Bucks fan, you must have been stoked. Right? Oh, yeah. I mean, that, I, I don't care about any – when my teams play, I usually don't even play players that are involved, so that way I can't, like, be mad. I, nothing. I'm just purely rooting for the Bucks to win, and that's all I want to happen. And, man, we looked lights out. Uh, Tom Brady, uh, 28 of 39, 341 yards, three touchdowns, zero interceptions. So uh, I guess I don't know where that cliff is coming, but uh, it's a long ways away. I'm glad Max Kellerman came out and backtracked. But I felt like the very next episode, he came back out and was like, oh, you know, Brady's going to have a bet. Brady is not going to be bad. I'm sure that I remember how excited you were when he signed with Tampa Bay. And you must be, you know, as pleased as you could have been. Oh yeah, I'm. 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 Expectations are met at this point, um, and not exceeded, obviously, because only exceeded we'd be ten and zero. But I mean, I think we're playing great football. Obviously, you're going to have some hiccups along the way. Um, losing to the Saints last week, especially the way we did, was just odd. You know, I don't think anybody really thought we were going to come out and play the same way. But to see us respond to the way we did, I think was important. And I mean, if if our defense is clicking and playing well. And our offense is clicking and playing well. I really do think we're the best team in football. Um, the only issue is getting those both to click and play well at the same time. And that's just going to take time because we're a young and, and kind of a new team. A scary moment was obviously Teddy Bridgewater hurts his knee. It's his right knee, not his left knee. Uh, they're saying that he's fine. MRIs are negative for a tear or whatever it is. So thank goodness for that. Um, obviously, I'm a big Teddy Bridgewater fan. Um, and I think that just would have been completely heartbreaking to see him like tear an ACL or something like that. Yeah, if he'd have done it again, that would have been awful. I mean, that poor guy. And and it's a shame too because I, I you know, obviously I'm watching it happen and you know, Jason Pierre Paul hits him a little low and it's a, you know, you have to. You know, the way these rules are set up now, that's really the only spot you can hit these guys and then that's where they're going to get the most catastrophic injury. So it's just a shame to watch this happen right now, but what it uh, two more garbage teams. The Giants, basically the whole NFC East is garbage, but when they play each other, it's super garbage. Uh, you, know, you know what makes me think of? You've seen the movie Spider-Man, right? Is when uh, he's trying to sell the pictures, Peter Parker is, of mm-hmm. Spider-Man. And yeah. uh, J. Jonah Jameson is like, crap, crap, crap mega crap. 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 <laughs> <laughs> What's that guy's name? J. Jonah Jameson. That's such a great name. There's no way that's his real name. No, no, that's the character's name. Oh, okay. I thought the actor is what no, I meant. No, I can't remember his name. I know he was in the show Oz. Um, he was in For Love of the Game. He was a manager of the Tigers. He did yeah. a lot of stuff. He's in a lot of stuff. That's why, that's why I thought you, I was going to say, that's his name. That's an incredible name. And he's the farmer's uh, insurance guy. Yeah, well, that. Yeah, I'm sure that's how most people know him. Um, anyways, back to the game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
the uh, the Giants get to three and seven. The Eagles fall to three five and one. Uh, really, there's not much to say here. Carson Wentz, no touchdowns, no interceptions. Uh, Miles Sanders, 85 yards, no touchdowns. And then your two wide receivers, Ward and Fulgham, combined for six catches and 47 yards. Next game, we've got the uh... – <laughs> <laughs> You don't even need – neither team is good. They suck. Carson Wentz, by the way, at this point, I think he is kind of costing his team. At a certain point, you got to win your team ball games, regardless of how bad they are, and he's not doing that. So, The Packers win 24-10 against Jacksonville. It's a game they should have won, uh, which they did. Jacksonville falls to 1-8, and eight, putting them still in second place for that number one pick. The Jets, I don't think, are going to lose, so Jacksonville is definitely going to miss out on that first pick. But uh, the Packers improved to 7-2. and two. Aaron Rodgers having another Aaron Rodgers game, 325 yards, two touchdowns. He ran for a touchdown. But how about Marquez Valdez-Scantling has four catches for 149 yards uh, in that, the big touchdown. Um Again, Devontae Adams, eight catches, 66 yards. But I feel like uh, Scantling, and they had another guy whose name I can't remember. that had a, Lazard. Yeah, a couple hundred-yard games while Adams was out. So it's looking like those non-weapons that Aaron Rodgers has, he actually has some decent weapons. To be fair, Aaron Rodgers can make anybody look kind of good. But, yes, they, they are showing. Martez Valdez Scantling hasn't shown a lot. Um, he's got flashes every now and then, but if he can string a couple of these, I know he had a hundred yard game yes, last week and, uh, and now this one this week, if he can string a couple of these together and obviously, you know, Devonte Adams is the scariest person on the planet, not named Deandre Hopkins. So, I, I mean, they're, they're, they're good, man. They're good. They're really good. I'm worried about that. If we wouldn't have beat him so handedly, I'd be worried, but you know, I'm, I'm still pretty worried about that Packer team. Well, speaking of DeAndre Hopkins, the next game we have is the Cardinals win 32-30 to in the craziest 34 seconds end of the game. Please tell me this is a clip. That Yeah, we have here. Um, we just roll down. Just everybody just watch the pure beauty that is Kyler Murray. Uh, First we have Buffalo uh, with 34 <laughs> seconds left. Stephon Diggs gets the touchdown. I mean, what a He's throw. Played. What a throw and catch. Uh, they get the lead, but then uh, Kyler Murray – uh, escaping trouble. Look at this athleticism. And then to cross the ball. Body. And DeAndre oh. Hopkins coming down with it. God. So, so it's basically, we've agreed, DeAndre Hopkins is the best wide receiver in football. I mean, On the planet. It's, yeah, it's, it's not even a question. You can't, no. I saw a, a kind of on that note, as I saw a great meme after this game, which was everybody's hands up. And I think somebody had uh, Adidas gloves on. Somebody had uh, Nike gloves on. And DeAndre Hopkins' hands were above everybody's. He had a Jordan logo. Like, what a great commercial for the Jordan logo brand. <laughs> I mean, that was such an incredible play. That's like – I mean, that's why you, we watch football. You know, it's for moments like that. It really is. I mean, you're just in complete awe of these guys and, and just the, the things they can do athletically. I, I mean, everybody's freaking out about the catch, and, and rightfully so. I mean, Tomas, three guys, is insane. There may be – three guys on the planet who can throw that ball like that cross-bodied on a full sprint the way Kyler Murray did. And and one of them's named the baddest man on the planet named Aaron Rodgers. And honestly, the only other one's probably Josh Allen. Oh, Mahomes can do it for sure. Uh, so there's four guys on the planet that can probably do that. Uh, I mean, it's so hard to do and to do like, you think that's not accurate, but I guarantee you that's where he meant to throw that football. Like, it's just insane to me. 
Well, like you say, I mean, he's right-handed, he's rolling left, and just to throw the ball with that much, uh, you know, zip on it. Which, by the way, going back to the Tampa Bay game, I wanted to bring up some highlights of Brady grossly overthrowing receivers on the deep ball. And we talked about this when he went to Tampa, and I said that was his one knock in, in New England, is he cannot throw the deep ball to save his life. And so I think he had one where it was uh, Gronkowski had a step or something like that. And, I mean, guy's wide open, and Brady's overthrown him by 12 yards. And I laughed. My wife goes, what's so funny? I said, watching Tom Brady try to throw it deep. It's just, <laughs> you know, from 5 to 10 yards, he is as accurate as anybody in the game. But once it gets past 15 yards – it's he's a twenty five percent completion guy. Yeah, uh, which is funny because you transition over to Kyler Murray and Josh Allen, and they're two of the more accurate deep ball throwers in the league this year. Uh, now it helps when you have Stephon Diggs and DeAndre Hopkins, but I mean Tom Brady has Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. So well, it helps because both those guys have absolute cannons for arms, and Brady does not. Yeah. Yes. Obviously. Uh, but no, I mean, back to this game. Uh, Josh Allen's a freak. To, to do what he did in the last minute of the game and drive them back, and then that throw to Stefan Diggs is going to, you know, nobody will remember it. But, I mean, God, that's such an incredible throw. And, I mean, you know, I'm a huge Josh Allen fan, and, and just to see his growth this year is incredible. And then to come back and Kyler Murray to do it, I mean, oh, man, that was such an incredible game. That 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 right there is worth it. I'd watch three straight Jets games just to watch that game. <laughs> was, I love watching Kyler Murray in general. Uh, I think he's just extremely exciting to watch. Um, but we go from the Bills, who are seven and three; they're atop the AFC East. So the team chasing them, the Dolphins, go to six and three with their win over the Chargers, twenty nine twenty one. Obviously, Tua versus uh, Herbert, which we'll get to that. But I think Brian Flores is the coach of the year. I don't know. About you. I mean, we'll, we'll see. I mean, uh, you know, we're only at, at the halfway point. I think at the halfway point, yes. Yes. Brian Flores is the coach of the year. What they're doing in Miami is, is incredible. Um, you know, a lot of teams and I think just sold them off as kind of, you know, tanking and doing things like that. And, you know, this is a very well-built, well-coached team. That defense is, it plays to its strengths. You know what I mean? They're going to play man coverage and they're going to blitz you and they're going to force you to make quick decisions and quick throws. And they're going to count on their two all pro corners to lock you down for at least two seconds, which they can do. Uh, and then, you know, now on offense, you know, people forget how good Tua was in college. And I understand the hip injury is, is a big deal and, and things like that. But his game was always being a cerebral player and, and being smarter than the guys across the field from him. And he's essentially that guy is a rookie now. He's making great reads. The ball's coming out. He's dropping back. Boom, hits his spot and the ball's out. Uh, he's not second guessing himself. He he looks good, man. He looks really good. On the flip side, so does Justin Herbert. So, you know, I think they're they're both have bright futures ahead of them. Like this play, bang, boom, spot ball out right away. Like if you watch Jakeem Grant on that Jakeem Grant on that route, it's just the ball's out the second it needs to be out. Uh, he's just making great decisions, great throws. It, it's it's fun to watch. It really he is. What surprised me the most watching uh, Tua play is obviously Herbert's big. He's six six. He's got a big arm. I didn't realize how good Tua's arm is. He's got a really good arm, which is new. All right, that was that was his knock coming in. Was he's kind of, you know, yes, he's a lefty, so he's always going to get compared. But he's Steve Youngish, to where his accuracy is great. 
you know, his decisions are great. He's athletic, but his arm isn't the best. You know, he's never going to be the guy that's got the cannon. There's a lot of reports that this rehab, you know, essentially changed him. You know, he, he looks bigger. He looks more physical. He looks stronger and he's thrown the ball with more zip. So I, I'm, that's a great point, Wayne, because he has, and it's, it's something that, you know, needs to be noticed. Well, now that he's healthy, it's like Chubb said, it's all in the hips, right? Exactly. It's all in the hips. It's all in the hips. I had my daughter watch uh, Billy Madison for the first time uh, this weekend. So she loved it. Did she? I mean, how could you not love it? Not as much as Big Daddy. She really likes Big Daddy. Um, Big Daddy's great. Big Daddy is fantastic. It's an incredible movie. It really is in the top five of his flicks. Billy Madison hits with us, you know, because it came out when we were kids. You know what I mean? Well, I told her, and and, again, we talk about seeing Kobe Bryant highlights is always a little bit you know, it's always going to hurt. I think until the day I die, it's always going to hurt seeing that stuff. Seeing Chris Farley, obviously oh. the bus driver. So, he's the funniest person I've ever seen in my life, ever. In, ever. In my life. Hands down. Beverly Hills Ninja is one of the greatest movies ever made. It's hilarious. <laughs> um, I mean, he's just, he's perfect. He's hes hilarious. The, the one where he goes, that is correct. And then... <laughs> <laughs> Makes me so happy, dude. Uh, it's such a shame, too, because, you know, he was one of those guys that you come to find out later, you know, was so happy and bright and made people laugh because he was, you know, so tormented inside, um, which is obviously a shame, you know, but what are you going to do? Well, I'd seen uh, watching the Chris Farley documentary I watched. They had Jay Moore uh, talk about because Jay Moore worked on Saturday Night Live. Um, and he said, you know, any day that I get to tell Chris Farley stories is a good day. He yeah. goes, you know, he said when he met him, he goes, he's like the sun and you just gravitate to him and you had, and everybody around him gravitates to him because he just was so larger than life. Um, and, and he always thought, you know, I mean, people thought, I think, um, uh, what's his name from half baked, uh, does all the impressions. Dave Chappelle. No, no, no. The stoner guy. Oh, uh, J- Jimmy Brewer, James Brewer. Jim Brewer. Yeah. Jim Brewer said, you know, that the whole thing with uh, Chris Farley, he said when he got to meet him, is just how, like you said, how tormented he was. And Farley really felt like people were laughing at him for mm-hmm. being the fat guy. And, and I'm like, no, I mean, if it was the physical comedy for sure, but you could have been skinny and that physical comedy and the yelling was just hilarious. Just the, the red in the face. And I mean, his animated ability, it was just, you know, it's something that accented his, his, you know, act and humor so well. It was perfect. I loved it. You know, and then the fat guy in the little coat, you know, you know, come to find out, like you said, he, he always thought people were laughing at him and things like that. But I mean, that's just, it was so funny. <laughs> Take so, it off, dickhead. I'm serious. <laughs> <laughs> Take it off. I mean, it's so funny. Um, back to football. The Raiders win 37-12. This is another game we really don't have to talk a ton about. Um, Derek Carr is just good. I'm going to say it. I've come around. He's good. He's yeah. a good football player. I have been pumping Derek Carr now yep. all season long because I he, is a, he is a top 10 quarterback. I will say it. He's a top 10 quarterback. Well, I think a lot of people crapped on him partially because he got hurt, I think, last year. and He didn't play the full season, maybe. I'm not sure. But every season that he plays, 
he completes 70% of his passes. And like last year, he completed 70% of his passes for 4,000 yards. It isn't like he was 2,500, 3,000 yards. He had 4,000 yards passing. You know, uh, but yeah, people just kind of dump on him. But he's an extremely accurate passer. And now he's got the run game. I mean, Josh Jacobs, 21 carries, 112 yards, two touchdowns. I mean, as long as you got a guy like that to hand it off to, you're going to be fine. Yeah. And, you know, uh, on the flip side, you know, Drew Locke is plummeting. <laughs> You know, and he doesn't look very good. And it's a shame, too, because Jerry Judy is embarrassing NFL corners this year. And it's it's wild to watch. I mean, if you get to watch some of his games, which, you know, a lot don't, it's – bro, he's doing the gnarliest things. He's he's probably a top five wide receiver, route running wide receiver in the league right now. And it, it already he's probably a top five, maybe even a top three route runner in this league. It is stupid what he is doing to, to like le- legit NFL corners. Now, what's the deal with KJ Hamler? Because I didn't know anything about him going into the draft. Um, but he's small, right? He's like five ten, five eleven. He's another smaller guy. Yeah, he's a smaller slaughter guy, uh, like a quick little shifty kind of slot guy. Um, honestly, I, I'm not really sure. You know, it, they're hindered by Drew Locke and and his just lack of ability, plain and simple. He's just, you know, I just don't. He doesn't look like he has it, unfortunately. So, the Rams go on to beat the Seahawks twenty-three to sixteen. Russell Wilson and DK Metcalf basically don't show up for this game. Um, so Jared Goff throws for three hundred yards. Uh, Malcolm Brown has two rushing touchdowns, uh, but Russell Wilson uh, no touchdowns, two picks, and then DK Metcalf two catches for twenty-eight yards. So, again, didn't show up. Jalen Ramsey locked it down. And he does that once every four games, right? He'll talk about it all four games, but he, you know, once every four games, he'll lock me down. He's the type of player that gets like real hype. Like, you know, like, cause people were hyping this matchup up, obviously, you know, and so Jalen Ramsey is the kind of guy that, like, unless he, like, gets hyped for a challenge, I think he kind of plays down to his competition. Um, but in this case, he didn't, he kind of, I mean, I'm pretty sure he only had six coverage snaps on him, though. So it's not like he was, like, shadowing him or anything like that. Um, but, you know, Aaron Donald did his thing. Aaron Donald is just a monster. I'm pretty sure he had another five pressures. Uh, he's just a freak. He just can't be stopped. And Seattle's not the same team if they don't have a run game. And Chris Carson being out is is a huge, huge hindrance right now. The uh, Steelers, 36-10 over the Bengals. This was a bad pick by me uh, when we did our picks, me and Jesse, because I said take the Bengals in the money line. I really thought this was going to be the end of the Steelers' streak. The Bengals have been playing so good. They barely lost the week before. Uh, they dropped to 2-6-1. and one. You know, Joe Burrow, uh, two touchdowns, three picks. Um, I don't know, I'm sorry, 213 yards, one touchdown, no picks. Uh, 21 uh, of 40 passing. For me, I have to bring it up every Bengals game. T. Higgins, 7-115 in a touchdown. End um, of fumble. What's that? End of fumble. fumble. Yep. Uh, all right, well, I'll still take it. <laughs> it was an important fumble, too. Yeah. Well, I mean, they lost by 26. So it, no, it was more like he was about to score and fumbled. Uh, gotcha. yeah. But still, like, you know, so any score is a big one. But, yeah, you lose by 26. They're not important. I hear you. <laughs> I, I did pick up uh, Deontay Johnson and Chris uh, or, and uh, Claypool, both of them, for my DraftKings um, for work. Oh, I ended up winning the DraftKings. And oh, I nice. did it. Uh, on the advice of shout out to Belly Up Sports, they have Belly Up uh, Fantasy Sports MD. Uh, I was reading their picks for who you should pick for DraftKings, and I took their advice. I took both those guys, and uh, I was like, "Yeah." So I, sh- I gave my shout out afterwards. I'm like, "Hey, I won 28 bucks." Nice, that's awesome. Yeah, 
Deontay Johnson was one of my breakout receivers this year. And I mean, if he can stay healthy, the guy's a stud. He's on every one of my fantasy teams right now. But yeah, he was a great DraftKings play last week. Uh, pretty much anybody against the Bengals is going to be a great DraftKings play. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know, the Bengals are just outmatched. You know, they couldn't handle the pass rush. And, you know, that's really kind of was the story of the game. I, I think TJ Watt had two sacks. So, I, I mean, they're just – Pittsburgh's good. Well, the uh, Saints are the other team in the NFC South. They beat the 49ers, which they should have done. The big story, Drew Brees, several cracked ribs, uh, comes out of the game. Jameis Winston. Collapsed lung, too. A collapsed lung, wow. Yeah. So Jameis Winston gets into the game. Brandon was so excited to see what Jameis Winston could do. Brandon from Triple Shot Sports is a huge Jameis Winston fan, has actually gone on the record to say the Saints would be better with Jameis Winston than they would be with Drew Brees. Uh, looking at their also stats. The to say Jameis Winston's a top 10 quarterback. That's true. And I will say this about this game is they both had the same teammates and the same guys playing against them on defense. Uh, Drew Brees was 8 of 13 with a touchdown. Jameis Winston, 6 of 10, no touchdowns. I mean, we'll see how he does going forward, but, you know, I don't, know. I, I don't buy it. I don't love it um, really because I think you got to change a lot of what the offense does. Um, so Drew Brees is, you know, this – which I don't know if Jameis Winston can do a lot. He's a he's a systematic quarterback. It's it's get the ball out quickly, let your playmakers do their thing, and then move on to the next play. You just keep that moving, keep that rolling. It's it's like a wheel on a fucking cog. You know what I mean? It just rolls. Um, Jameis, on the other hand, likes to take his shots, likes to create his own things, likes to go downfield, do a lot of stuff like that. So. He's not really the same style of quarter. Like that's why Teddy Bridgewater worked really well, I think, in in the stay of Drew Brees because that's the kind of player he is. So check down, make the right decision, kind of just keep the cog going. So we'll see how it plays out. I don't have the biggest faith in Jameis. Uh, you know, I had faith with him for five years in Tampa, and he never showed me anything. So it's hard to keep faith for the guy now. What I'm excited about with Jameis Winston is Michael Thomas calls himself what can't guard me or whatever it is. Right, he had 100 and whatever catches last year. But he's a dink and dunk receiver. He goes perfectly with Drew Brees. Now you've got Jameis in there, like you said, likes to throw the deep ball. So I think we're going to see some more deep patterns from Michael Thomas. How is Michael Thomas going to do with the deep ball? Uh, not well. You're not going to see more deep patterns from Michael Thomas. I promise you that. <laughs> Michael Thomas will not run a route beyond 15 yards the entire year. All right. Because he claims he's, he claims he's the best receiver in football. So if you're the best receiver, you got to be able to go deep. You would think so. And I was very excited. Uh, the last game I have up here is the New England Patriots shocked the world. They oh. beat the Ravens twenty-three to seventeen. Um, obviously, the, the big news here: Cam Newton, thirteen of seventeen, manages the game perfectly. One touchdown. He rushes for a touchdown. Uh, Damian Harris, twenty-two carries for one twenty-one. I don't think Sony Michelle's getting his starting job back. He won't. Nope. There's no way he gets it. No. I mean, Damian Harris was, was you know, I think a pick to, to kind of cement and take this over. Um, you know, Rex Burkhead doing his thug dizzle, man. That's, all that guy does is score weird-ass touchdowns. Um, uh, but, yeah, I mean, I don't think he gets the job back either. I think Damian Harris is the more talented runner. Um, I think he's proven that. I think he's the more versatile runner, too. I think he can do more things than Sonny Michelle can. So I would stick with what they got working right now. I think it works. You don't got to pay Sony Michelle anything. Get him, cut him, bye. See. 
in that I showed the highlight. I didn't set up the highlight. I felt it when as soon as I hit play. I was like, oh, I didn't set this up. Uh, Jacoby Myers throws a touchdown pass. Apparently, they mentioned it 18 times afterwards that he was a star high school quarterback and that he actually got recruited to NC State as a quarterback. Um, and they said, oh, Bill Belichick knows this kind of stuff. You know, he knows how to use these guys. Because uh, like Julian Edelman, but I'm like, at least Edelman was a quarterback all through college. You know, every high school player was essentially a, a star quarterback. You know what I mean? And then they get moved around or shit like that. Like the best player, it's like just throw him a quarterback; he'll fucking do good. <laughs> uh, so let's let's back off on that one. Bill Belichick knowing shit. Uh, how about that Lamar Jackson though? Man, that guy sucks. Uh, two two fifty two and one eleven carries fifty five yards. Um, the the thing about Lamar Jackson, and just to give people a little bit of a tease, like I said, we're going to have Charlie Ward on here uh, Saturday, and one of the questions we do plan to ask him, and you're going to have to tune in to see the answer because we don't know what it is yet, yeah. is basically Charlie Ward, His he was a big fan of Doug Williams. That's his favorite player of all time. Um, and he wore number 17 because of Doug Williams. Now, we all know Doug Williams, first black quarterback to win a Super Bowl, and that was very big to Charlie Ward, first black quarterback in Florida State history. You know, So our question for Charlie Ward is, does the use of players like Lamar Jackson set back the narrative of black quarterbacks? Because the old adage was that they're great athletes, but they don't have the mental capacity to be quarterbacks. And that's why you didn't see them. Um, I don't, I'm not saying that about Lamar Jackson, but I'm saying that the way that they're utilizing him, it kind of plays into that narrative. And I'm wondering if Charlie feels like that the use of Lamar Jackson is hurting African-American quarterbacks across the board. Um, I'm interested to see his answer. You know, obviously the flip side of that coin is a guy like Patrick Mahomes, uh, you know, who is, you know, obviously lighting the league on fire and doing things, Russell Wilson, you know, and doing things we've never seen at the quarterback position, you know, and obviously able to handle it. So, but I agree, you know, uh, I don't know if it's just that Lamar is a special case or what it is, but I, I, you know, they are holding back half of their offense essentially. And, you know, why is that? you know, does that, is that, you know, we've seen that not work in the past. So what makes us think it'll work now? I, I'm, I'm really interested to see his answer. For sure. We, like I said, that's just a taste. We do have some really, really good questions for him. So it's like I said, it's not going to be the classic, you know, um, like I said, you know, Hey, why did you choose this? I can tell everybody right now he chose it because he wasn't going to be a first round pick in the NFL. He was going to be a first round pick in the NBA. So when he didn't go day one in the NFL, he was like, you know what? I'm going to take my chance with the NBA. Because I think a lot of teams were interested in taking him, like the third, fourth, fifth round. It isn't like nobody wanted him, but yeah. they also knew that he was going to test the NBA waters, and they didn't want to play that dual sport thing. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, it, the NFL, you know, draft committee comes out and gives their grades to these players, and these players take them seriously because this NFL draft committee is smart and it's it knows what it's doing. So when they come back and they deliver a grade to a guy like Charlie Ward, who said, "Hey, you're probably going from the third to the fifth. You know, at that point, it's an easy decision, especially when the NBA draft committee comes back and says, oh, yeah, we expect you to go in the first guaranteed uh, contract. Yeah. You know, so it, it's a, it's a totally I mean, everybody should know why he made the decision at this point. So, yeah, trust us. We won't ask that question. So definitely tune in for that. That is going to be Saturday. Uh, we're going to interview him on Wednesday. Uh, if anybody has any questions, uh, I think we still do have room for one or two more. So we're just kind of fielding them. It's going to have to be really good, though, to get into the uh, the lineup. And uh, we'll, we'll interview him on Wednesday and then Saturday at 11 a.m. Tune in. We're going to do half the show live. The other half is going to be the recorded interview. Uh, we'll have highlights just like we did today. Hopefully you guys enjoyed that. I definitely appreciate everybody tuning in. Uh, we super appreciate it. And, and please tell your friends to tune in if they like sports. Uh, we hope we put on a good show for you guys. 
Yeah, definitely. You know, I, I, I'm glad to be back. You know, I had to take the week off, had some personal things go down, but you know, it's great to be back. Great to talk sports. You know, I love it. I miss it. And, uh, you know, hopefully you guys join us. Like you said, get your questions in. I mean, Charlie Ward's a star. This guy's, you know, the first uh, black quarterback in FSU history, a Heisman Trophy winner, Maxwell Award winner, you know, first round draft pick. You know, I know somebody's excited here. Get a question in. We'll ask it. I promise. We'll give you a shout out, too. So, yeah, Jeff Rivera says, awesome show. Thank you so much, Jeff. We appreciate it. Thank you, Jeff. I appreciate it, man. For real. I appreciate you, though. I don't have my Kenny picture uh, of all the pictures I put on here. I forgot again. So we're going to put Charlie. Forgot. We'll put Charlie up there and uh, just have uh, Kenny play here. Yeah.